Cheers cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. I guess I have to tell you now. Please don't ever tell another living soul. Oh. Amanda is obsessive with men. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Wait a second, wait a second. What, what does that mean exactly? She likes men a lot? When she decides she wants a man, she develops an excessive preoccupation and possessiveness and becomes totally irrational. Wait a second. Um, what, what's an example of obsessive behavior? Mom, Dad, there he is. The man I'm going to marry. <laughs> Welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me once again is a longtime friend of this podcast network and the host of The Outcasters, a podcast covering the comic book Batman and The Outsiders. Please welcome Tim Price back to the show. What's going on, Tim? Hey, Ryan. I actually had a question for you. I wanted to know, how sold are you on your son's name? Because I've been (laughs) thinking about kids' names lately, you know, and I, you know, the name Tim is really a good name, you know. Just just think, Tim Daly. That sounds super, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. Ooh, and and I can't think of anybody who has ever used that name before, Tim Daly. (laughs) It's a crime that they haven't, so, you know, I think it's a good idea. (laughs) Certainly not with a connection to the Cheers universe and, and comic books or anything. Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> well, well, definitely, if I have another one, I will definitely keep Sonar in mind, because, you know, that could be a boy or a girl. <laughs> oh, Sonar Daily. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful name. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we are here to talk about the Season 3 episode of Cheers, A Ditch in Time. This is Season 3, Episode 12. The episode is written by Ken Esten, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, December 20th, 1984. Sam zeroes in on a pretty woman, played by Carol Kane, sitting alone at the bar and begins to shamelessly flirt with her. She agrees to go out to dinner with him only after saying hi to the person she came to cheers to see, Diane. Diane pulls Sam aside and pleads with him not to go out with Amanda, warning him that she's bad news, but unwilling to give any more information than that. Sam thinks Diane is merely uncomfortable with him dating her friend and ignores her advice, taking Amanda out to dinner. When Sam comes back from dinner, he tells Diane he might call Amanda again in the future. In desperation, Diane reveals that she met Amanda when they were both patients at Golden Brook Psychiatric Hospital, and that Amanda is prone to obsessive behavior with men. At that moment, Amanda returns with her parents and introduces them to Sam Malone, the man she plans to marry. 
Before Sam can rudely blow her off, Diane takes him to the pool room. She explains that a woman in Amanda's precarious mental position can't be treated too harshly. Sam is confident that his years of practice breaking up with women will see him through this, but when he tells Amanda that he doesn't want to see her again, she makes vague allusions to committing suicide until Sam agrees to go out with her again. The next day, Amanda comes to see Diane laboring under the false impression that Sam has died, his elegant solution to the problem. Diane takes Amanda to Sam's office so they can all deal with the situation like rational adults. Diane tells her that someday she'll meet a man who loves her and treats her with respect, but Amanda refuses to believe that she'll ever love anyone more than she loves Sam. And so Diane brings out the big gun and reveals that Sam is the ex-boyfriend who drove her to Goldenbrook, and that Sam was the character in every heartbreaking, nerve-fraying story that she told in their group therapy sessions. This revelation is so devastating that Amanda leaves never wanting to see Sam again. While grateful that Diane solved the problem, Sam is a little shook about all of the terrible truths that Diane revealed about their relationship. When faced with his behavior and the way it hurt Diane, Sam apologizes sincerely. Diane accepts the apology and then wants to leave before he can say anything else that would ruin the moment. So, Tim, what did you think of A Ditch in Time? It's one of the interesting episodes that it's really very funny. It's very much kind of like a bedroom farce kind of comedy with some misunderstandings and some exaggerated situations. And it has some funny lines, but they just don't come across as strongly for some reason. I don't know if it's the cast or it sometimes feels like the audience. There's a few places where a great line comes off and I'm laughing, but the audience isn't. And they're kind of just like moving on. It's a strange sort of feel to the episode, but I really like it. And I especially like Carol Kane in it. Uh, She just always brings uh, some real fun to the roles that she has. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I mean, she is dynamite in this role, and and such a, such a striking presence. Like every time she shows up, and I've been trying mm-hmm. to think. I feel like by the like one of the first things I would have seen her in was either The Princess Bride or the movie Scrooge. But I felt like I mm. knew who she was mm-hmm. before that. So possibly even okay. from watching a rerun of this, but I don't know. Like I, I felt like I knew mm-hmm. who she was, but those were the first times really seeing her where I was like aware of her presence and the the voice more than anything. You recognize her voice. <laughs> oh yes, she. Uh, the first place I definitely knew of her was Taxi. Which oh, is, yeah, yeah. you know, the straight line to being a, a guest on Cheers. Mm-hmm. Just straight line because they're since they're the same producer and everything. Mm-hmm. So I definitely knew her from that. It's like, oh, yeah, she was on so many things. Um, I mean, when you look at her, at her IMDb credits, it just goes on and oh, on. It's yeah. amazing all the things that she's been in. Um, like a few of the my favorites, I'm not going to try to sell anybody that these are all great, but they're my favorite. They're my, some of my favorites was definitely Scrooged and mm-hmm. Princess Bride, but also like My Blue Heaven. She yep. has a great part in that. And an earlier one, Jumping Jack Flash, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's movie. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it was a great movie, but I still like that movie. And I liked her part in that. Uh, she also appeared in one episode of Seinfeld. She appeared in the episode The mm. Marine Biologist, which is one of my favorite episodes. And I actually talked about that episode with your buddy Ashford on his podcast about nice. Seinfeld, the, the Four Who Rule. Uh, he, he is your, you know, your co-host on the Outcasters. So. I don't know. Has he talked about that much? Any? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, getting back to your point, I agree that there was something about this episode. I, I enjoyed it, but I felt like I, I was having kind of the same reaction. I was feeling like this isn't as funny as some other episodes, but it should be. I, I feel like there's there's some good bits here, and I wasn't sure if it was just... It's not as quotable. It doesn't have the same number of lines, but there are some good ones. It just it felt I don't mm-hmm. know. I, like was it perhaps the like the chemistry or adding the Carol Kane character? Or I, I mean, I will be honest that coming into watching this episode again, I was a little bit worried about how this one would age. Um, mm. because, knowing, yeah, yeah. Knowing the fact that the subject of this episode is a woman with a severe mental health disorder. And mm-hmm. if the show is making fun of it, and maybe that would have been acceptable or, or comedic in mid-1980s, that might not have this it ring the same way 25, 35 years, uh, 40, 35 years later. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to do the math. I was like, how old am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I think similar to the uh, the episode, I, I, the, kind of the benchmark I always come back to is the the season one episode, the boys in the bar, um, which is the one with oh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the gay guys in the bar. And and when I talked about that with Nathaniel, uh, and he kind of pointed out the fact that the gays are never the subject of the joke; they're never the butt of the joke. It's really you know they mm-hmm. they, they might be the subject, but they're, they're not making fun of them. It's really the humor is all about how stupid everybody else is. And I was trying to say, I was like, okay, is the is the joke in this case her mental illness? And I was like, uh, there are a couple of times where yes, but most of the time mm-hmm. the joke is on Sam and the way he is behaving. So I don't think it's I don't think it verges into the realm of being a problematic episode and and being truly insensitive towards mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a. An interesting thing about the way that it's written, it almost, if it didn't have a live audience and didn't have some of the other Cheers cast members there, it almost could have come across as a drama episode, Mm. as a dramatic episode. Um, But also there's Carol Kane herself. You know you can't, you don't have to take her too seriously. I mean, she's got that that voice and that character that she's kind of defined for herself. You know, Mm -hmm. she's really got a a signature character. She's got that flighty, ethereal voice. That's just like, <laughs> oh, it's great for like mythical characters when she plays, because she can play like a, a witch in one movie and a fairy in another movie, and you buy it. Right. Uh, and, and she can like say a single line and sound either ditzy or profound in the same <laughs> sentence. It's just amazing sometimes how she's able to do that. And so. It, it's like she makes it so that even though you could take this as a serious problem, you can't take her too seriously. Mm-hmm. I think that's because she's selling it. She's selling the the that the character is one that, yeah, it's maybe we should be more concerned about it, but you just can't you just can't get into that. You just can't, you don't get as worried when it's Carol there because it's like she's got to remind you this is still TV. <laughs> this is not a true. This is not truly a dramatic moment. I also think, and, and maybe I mean, this could partly be retroactive. You know, from having seen her in all of these things that came out after this TV show, mm, mm-hmm, uh, and experiencing right, right. this all this, all, you know, kind of retroactively. But when I see her in this episode, to me, Carol Kane just instantly gives off this kind of energy and this vibe. That, that's mm. everything that you just described. There's sort of like this, this just crazy energy. I mean, it taps in like when you hear her voice. There's just <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah. it's like a radioactive like kind of aura around her that's just like this you mm-hmm. know it's going to be fun it's going to be exciting 
But at the same time, I don't necessarily get sexiness from her. And I feel like when Sam sees her and he's instantly drawn in and he starts giving out, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's working overtime delivering some pretty mm-hmm. dumb pickup lines that, I mean, I heard back in junior high and, and stuff <laughs> like that and everything like that. And she, she's even, you know, is able to call him on that when she says, you know, even I've heard that one like that. I'm like, he's mm-hmm. really working hard. And I was like, I just, I, I like her and she's, I mean, Kirk is very pretty and she's very fun. But I was like, this seems like the type of move that he would make with somebody who was like a knockout, like model type of, you know, beauty or mm-hmm. something like that. So it just, it struck me right away, like the, the incongruity, like the fact that he was working so hard to pick her up at first. Like it was like a, like he was just like, I mean, he moved across the bar and pushed coach out of the way. And I was like, this mm-hmm. seems like they're working a little bit too hard to get to this point. Right. Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, this is this episode also it's a I don't, I don't that this doesn't really contribute to my take on the episode. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just kind of feel like maybe that the, that somehow there was something maybe off in the writing or off the performance that things didn't land as strongly as they could. Or you, you mean that make the director like cut things short. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this this episode is not brand new to Cheers. I mean, we've already had like a couple of episodes which featured sam hitting on a woman and it's like we definitely had one deliberately where it's like yes this is one and she's that but the woman is here to see diane and like mm-hmm. you know in season one any friend of diane's i looked it up and it's like uh that's right. um where her friend rebecca was there right, julia right. duffy yep. so we had that you know we're kind of still playing that still angle about someone that diane knows but we're going on a completely different tank uh, angle with it and then of course there still can be sort of like an andy andy vibe about <laughs> yeah. <about> this episode <laughs> with the with the uh, the romantic interest being a little bit easy cray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So, um, so kind of like going through like the different parts of the episode, and I actually, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, the reason you brought it up beforehand is the whole subplot with Norman the baby names. I actually think is pound for pound funnier and one of the stronger parts of the episode, <laughs> and that starts right off in the teaser. Yep. Uh, you know, Norm comes in. He's got a great intro. And they're like, what do you have, Norm? And he's like, I'll have a 1929 Lafitte Rothschild coach. Or, I don't know, a beer. Whatever anybody else is having. <laughs> um, and then they kind of bring up this this plot again about him trying to get her pregnant and they're not doing anything. And uh, and he he has this whole thing, which I've I've always remembered. And, like, somebody, one of the other tertiary guys asking him, is like, you know, why, you know, you don't like, you know, having sex with your wife and everything? And Norm goes, we're not exactly what each other is looking for in sexual partners. For instance, she wishes I looked more like Charles Bronson. And I wish she looked less like Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, that that line's so good. I've always remembered because I, I had a I had a similar thing, God, about ten twelve years ago or something. I was working at a, a junior high or a middle school or something, mm-hmm. um, and the school had a new uh, cafeteria server, like a new lunch lady type of thing. Um, and you probably have an image and expectation of a lunch lady, probably like cemented by like the Simpsons oh, yeah. or everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. This woman was like 19, 20 years old, fairly attractive, young, good, like in good shape and everything like that. And Whoa. I was talking to, I was talking to one of the custodians who was like drooling over her. He was like, oh my God, like, this girl's hot. And I was like, I was like, I, and I, I told him, I was like, I'll be honest, I'm not, I've never seen a, like a lunch lady who looked like that. Most of the lunch ladies in my experience look like, well, me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, and then in the in the teaser, I, I also love the other line that Norm throws out of like, "I used to think sleeping was the greatest pleasure <laughs> I could have in bed. Now I'm sure. Now of it. I'm sure." <laughs> 
There was something else about the teaser, though, that struck me is they cut to Coach a couple of times, like, for his reactions, but Coach doesn't mm-hmm. have a line in that scene. Like, he's just kind of, like, looking at him, mm-hmm. but he's not, like, following along or, like, laughing or anything like that. It looks like he's more confused than anything else, and I don't know what it is. It just it struck me, like, maybe he was supposed to have dialogue that they cut out because it mm-hmm. wasn't funny or something like that, or just it wasn't landing or it was too long. Like, it just, it's, like, I mean, again, this is sort of, like, the weird thing about this episode. I think even from the teaser, it just, the mm-hmm. way it keeps on showing coaches' reactions, and I was like, I'm not, I don't know, like, even even when they gave the, the other guy, the the Larry guy, the, the joke, like, um, when he sets Norm up with a don't you like having sex, I was like, that could have mm-hmm. been a coach's line. Maybe coach was, like, sick and couldn't get the line out or something like that, but then they do bring that mm-hmm. guy back later on in the episode. He has more dialogue, so I'm like, no, I, I don't think that, but yeah, it was just weird. It just felt like there was something off there. I completely agree. I actually had notes about that myself because like that last shot of Coach, it does look exactly like what you're talking about. He looks extremely confused or uncomfortable. Mm. And it's like, what is – I don't even know why they kept that shot in. I, yeah. like, I don't know what it's supposed to convey. Right. And But then also like knowing what Nick Colasanto's health is like this season, that really made me kind of nervous. Are, mm-hmm. are we seeing something on camera unintentionally yeah. about – what's going on I, I you know it's hindsight 2020 hindsight there but yeah when and looking at a show you know 50 times right. you know to get ready for a podcast you know, that's, uh, <laughs> but I, thought, I, I felt the same way it's like there was something off about that my one the one maybe possible no prize like if there was an explanation for it is if that shot was just used as a patch because this this was another one that felt like because mm. that that whole like subplot recurs maybe if that was supposed to be the beginning of act one the beginning of the episode and maybe as norm is like delivering that line while the audience was still laughing sam comes out like you know like with he, when he gives like carla the cologne to smell it or anything like that if that was mm. still part of the shot so if you know, when James Burroughs was uh, was directing it or when he was editing it or something, they needed the audience laugh to run a little bit longer, but they needed to cut away from the shot of Norm because Sam's intro would have thrown it off. So maybe they just uh, plugged in that, like a, a, any mm-hmm, kind of random mm-hmm. reaction shot of, of Coach just to kind of, so they could let the beat, the moment hang a little bit longer before they went to the credits. But it's just a weird-looking shot, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I'll still take that explanation because that's far less dark than the one I had there, so I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't want to think about that one either. Yeah. Um, then, so getting back, sticking with the same plot, like when they're talking about it, because so, Coach does come up to Norm later. He's like, so, you know, I was been thinking about it. You know, once the, after you have the baby, you're going to need a name for it, right? <laughs> and Norm's like, yeah, you know, we've been toying with the idea of naming it. <laughs> and he's like I think you should consider Barry and like the way he phrases it is you think okay Barry as the name is like why Barry and he's like well no Barry is really good at coming up with names like, <laughs> for instance he gave me my nickname <laughs> oh right well because you're a baseball coach so he called you coach that's really great it's like, oh I thought he'd tell me that because I never flew first class <laughs> <laughs> and that, so, that line is just it's, it is just perfect uh, coach delivery. I, that whole sequence is just great. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it remind that reminded me of like early coach when he was talking about like they used to call me red. It's like because your hair was red because you were Irish. <laughs> like, no, because I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that episode! I remember that one very well. Oh my gosh, yeah. it was was that a mere two seasons ago? Back when back yeah. when life was wonderful. Oh and- yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and then, yeah, they, they talk about the, you know, they, Norm has a list of boys' names, a list of girls' names, and, like, after the baby is born, they'll, they'll set up that, and that's when Cliff says, you know, you don't have to, you know, wait till the baby is born if you use sonar. And that's such a f- weird thing to think of, like, that, that, that's what they referred to, like, you know, like a, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a sonogram. So, yeah, the sonogram. I couldn't, I couldn't even think of that, like, the whole, uh, like, the, and the sonogram. And, like, Coach is like, well, yeah, sonar is a pretty name, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, and that's that's perfect coach reaction. So you know, oh boy, I'm I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss coach when we finish this season. Oh gosh. Uh, then, uh, okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah. Honest, I will. The la- the last bit about that subplot is when uh, Norm is like making up the list and everything, and Diane comes in. and She's like, "Well, you got a long list." He's like, "Yeah, we think we think of baby names while we're having sex. It helps pass the time." When he says that Diane is pouring a cup of coffee, and she like almost spills, mm-hmm. she almost like drops it on her hands. Yes, yeah, she's got such a big smile on her face <laughs> that she's just trying to keep it in. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, and yeah, they come up with the baby names, and, she, and Diane says, "Don't name it. I liked." Toby and Carl is like Toby. Oh yeah, she has to make fun of that one. She's like, you know, my I my call him precious <laughs> <laughs> or sunflower or something. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, you know, she's like my ex husband wasn't good for anything, but he had a great name, Nick. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, we come to find out that Norm has um, Nick on his list of boys, Sam, also Ernie, mm-hmm. but not Cliff. <laughs> He's like, who would name no. a baby Cliff? <laughs> <laughs> That's which was uh, much to much to Cliff's chagrin. He was not at that. that was pretty funny. <laughs> right, right. It's like, why don't you just call him Zeus? Like, Zeus, I like that. <laughs> oh, Norm, Zeus Peterson. Yeah. So yeah, so then we get to the whole thing with uh, with Amanda and everything, and, and uh, Sam picking her up and. I mean, it's again like some of the. It just felt a little bit off at first with like the the really trying too hard with the lines. But once he comes back and once Diane actually tells him, like breaks the whole news of like that she's uh, obsessive around men. He's like, well, what does that mean? And then she comes in. She's like, this is the man I'm gonna marry. She brings in her parents. Like from that on, I felt like the second act, like they they kind of they they landed. They were they were much more on their game once they were able to reveal what the big dramatic secret was. Mm-hmm. Right. Very true. It was, it, yeah, it took that moment to mm-hmm. uh, start to move things forward because yeah, it just, it was, yeah, there's no doubt about that. That Carol's an attractive woman, but it's like, she doesn't seem like Sam attractive. Right. Right. He, right. You know, he's it, like, she, uh, she's, you know, she got you. the The model face is what we really are. What we kind of come to expect from him. So, but you know, hey, we're if we take this as learning a bit more about Sam's tastes, okay, yeah. that's fine too. But uh, it 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 was just it was just it was a it was a kind of tough sell until we got to that point. It's like, oh, okay, that's what we're going for. Yeah, if he had pursued her almost to spite Diane or to make Diane upset in the first place, like. Maybe mm-hmm. if this was like back in season one or so, or, or like a different time or something like that, where just like Diane was warning her. But I, I mean, he was already planning to take her out to dinner, so Diane's warning didn't phase him. Mm-hmm. But like if she had warned him first, and then he was like, you know, I, I'm going to ignore Diane's advice just to, you know, spite her, punish her, or something like that, mm-hmm. and then it blew up in his face, that would be one thing. But. Right. Well, that that would have. But also the downside on that is that it might have. Uh, come across too much as like the earlier episode with Rebecca. Right. So right, right, right. that, you know, that would have been, a, if it felt a little bit too much, like that might've been the problem with this, with this episode too, is that that would have been a better way to handle it. But it's, but those of us who've seen the show would have remembered that exact time 
thing from before. It's like, oh, you're doing the Sam get, going out with her because to to uh, upset Diane. Oh, just a spider again. Mm-hmm. But, so it's like, eh, it's kind of tough situation that you know they're trying to get them together, but yeah, they're kind of is still was it was a they had poor Ted Danson. He had to work hard at that. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> he was working hard with it. I actually just wanted to double check and see if Ken Esten wrote both of those episodes. He did not. He did. Okay. <laughs> he didn't write that one, but uh, uh, close. Oh, he wrote one. He wrote the episode right before though. So uh, close, close. <laughs> so, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I, I think that, and then when uh, he's gonna break up when Sam or when Diane pulls Sam back into the pool room and everything, and she's like going over that, and. Uh, Norm and Cliff <laughs> come in and everything just to kind of be the extra people in the the room. They brought like so much life and energy to that. And same as trying to explain, you know, how he doesn't have just one generic breakup speech. He has, you know, a different speech like cater to every person, every every you know woman, every situation. You know, he's got like a whole a whole gamut of different kind of breakup speeches. And he mentions that he's like, see now, the speech that I dumped you with would be completely inappropriate for this situation. And she's like, I don't think you dumped me. He's like, that's how good a speech it was. That was the whole point. <laughs> I I wrote down that bit. I love that bit. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Uh, I, I, but and then Norm has to follow it up with, I think this calls for number three. It's, like, <laughs> it's times like this. I'm ashamed, ashamed to, to be, be a man. man. It's like, <laughs> and it culminates with Diane just losing her mind, kicking Norm and Cliff out, or wanting them to leave and everything. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, hey, and and she hands Cliff money, and she's like, here, how about a couple of beers on me? And Cliff's like, yep, he leaves. And Norm just like a rock, just plants himself there at the end, just like stone faced, and just waits for her to give him money too, and he can buy his own. Because he knows it's like there's there's not enough money there for both mm-hmm. of them. Or, like, he doesn't care. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that whole, that whole part was really just so funny. And, mm. and they're both, and both uh, Cliff and Norm are like, Sam, you know where we are if you need us. Mm. <laughs> like, ah, good friends. Yeah. And then, so Sam goes to break up with her, and, like, as soon as he starts getting the words out, she screams, and she's like, and he, like, they play up that joke a couple of times where he's like, no, I wasn't going to break up with you. I was just going to, you know, like ask, you know, talk about your parents or something. He's like, but I also did one mention. She's like, no, no, no. And she's like, so they, they go through that whole routine. Mm-hmm. And then once he's able to like talk to her and like just bring it, put it all out there. He's like, I'm not interested in pursuing this. And she does the whole thing like she's feeling sleepy and she doesn't want him to worry about anything that's happened or anything that might happen. I was like, and again, this is one of those things where I'm kind of on the fence. It's like, is this I should this be should I be bothered that they're making such a light about her using a threat of suicide just to get him to go out with her again mm-hmm. I was like this I don't know if I like and, and it it could just be it might just be the plain fact that the the subject matter of this episode is one of those things that kind of throws the the comedy out of whack um mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's still I yeah. still I still like it. I still laughed at her bits and everything like that, but it's I don't know. That that part bothered me. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's it's a tough one because as it comes across and as Diane says it, Diane said earlier it's like uh when they're both still in the pool room it's like uh, about how bad things might be or <laughs> yes. what she, what she was manipulating. Like, yes, she might try to kill herself. And Ted uh, <laughs> sorry, Sam says, "Oh, thank God. I thought I was in danger." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which again, oh, is, is horrible, but that is one of those things where it's like, oh, of course, because it's Sam. Yes, you laugh at that. Yes, one. <laughs> like, yes absolutely. But yeah, and that's a uh, again. That's where you know Carol Kane is just like selling the whole thing overly dramatic. She's making yeah. a big point of it, and it's like that's where you go. Like, is this a sincere? you know, suicide threat, or is this a manipulation and a blatant manipulation tactic? And, you know, because of, because of the, it's all just because of the setting. The fact that we know this is a TV show, we know this is fictional is that, you know, playing it that way, we know this is not a real, it's not going to really make anything happen, but it's like, yeah, it just, is it, we know, we know things better now than we do that. We're more sensitive to these things now. So it's like, eh, it's just still kind of a sort of And even the audience back then were still sort of subdued in their own laughter about it. So that kind of, you know, we have to, and we take that ourselves, like, okay, they're there watching it. They're kind of like, eh. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's funny. <laughs> and then when, so like the day later or whatever, when, uh, you know, he comes out, like Sam comes out of the bar to, or the office to tell Diane, he's like, I finally solved that Amanda problem and you'll be so happy with it. And then when she comes in, he has to hide mm-hmm. from her and she comes in dressed like in a funeral shroud. She's wearing black and mourning him. And she's like, I, she's like, I know Sam wouldn't want it, but don't you think we should have some kind of funeral service for him? That's when Diane realizes that Sam's explanation, Sam's excuse was that tell to, like, mm-hmm. was to convince her that he died so she would leave him alone and i could like 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 sam was about to brag about that sam was gonna tell yeah Diane. he's like you'd be so proud i convinced her that i was dead so she'll never come back and see me again like, <laughs> oh yeah and and when he saw her starting to come down the steps through the window oh sam just bolted yeah. for the office and he was like with his seltzer bottle water mm-hmm. and just like his head's like hunched down and trying to move in a real hurry it's like that was that was uh, so beautifully played. <laughs> uh, and then when they knock on the door, she, yeah, because he's like, "Is the freak show gone yet?" And then she's there, and he comes out, and and uh, he has to apologize. Freak show, yeah. Freak I love show. when he's oh, he's like he's like I apologize. I, I did not handle this really well. I you know I probably should have pretended like I was sick for a couple of days first. <laughs> and he, he looks at Diane for some sort of like comfort or affirmation, and Diane's face is just like. What the hell are you? Like, what kind of, <laughs> that's that's your thought? It's like you didn't do a you didn't do enough prep time to to like convince her that you were dead. And it's like so. oh, it's yeah. Sam is coming through in this season. We, you've talked about this before in previous episodes of like he's still smarter than he'll be in future episodes, but the erosion is starting to settle in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I had to wonder if maybe his uh, his spree of alcoholism at the beginning of the season didn't take care of a few of those brain cells that he desperately needed. <laughs> it, it might have. It might have. There, I mean, you definitely get a lot of mileage out of Diane giving him the look like, how was I ever your lover for a year? <laughs> like, how, how did this actually happen? Um, oh, yeah. Well, and, she try, and he tries to get out of that whole situation, too, with like when they both knock on the door and says, oh, we haven't introduced yet. I'm Ed, <laughs> Sam's twin brother. I'm here to handle the estate. And, and Diane is having none of mm-hmm. it it's like she just reads through the whole thing she's p- totally on board we don't need anybody to explain it to her she's like just get in there <laughs> <laughs> and but coach is beautiful it's like twin brother what a trick huh that's why he's the boss <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that and norm laughs norm yeah. laughs to that which is which is wonderful yep if they do they as mike gillis put it the diegetic humor that yeah when somebody mm-hmm. says something that's funny the characters respond to yeah yeah, that was one of the great. I, I really 
thank you so much for having Mike on the show to, to talk about that because I that was definitely one of the things that's worth pointing out about this show. They do actually like they, they're enjoying each other's company and the jokes are for each other. They're not just for the audience. So we get the whole thing with you know we have to we have to up the stakes with you know Amanda saying you know pledging her undying love that she'll never leave Sam no matter what happens forever and ever and ever. And then that's when Diane has to mention that the guy she used to talk about in group, Ralph, she's like, Sam is Ralph. And you see, like, like, oh, like something like breaks inside Amanda's concentration. She's like, wait, what? Like this? She has to, she has to understand that. And she's like, all those stories that she heard. And, like, it's an instant reaction when she's like, well, I can't be held to anything that I said in the party if they won't let me vote or uh, drive a car or something like that. Like, I can't be held responsible for the things I say willy-nilly in the back of a bar. So. <laughs> that was that was part was so hilarious. Um, that was that really just was the culmination of the whole episode. Yeah. It was like building up to that that point right there. Uh, and it's like and, you know, the her face just transforms. It's actually, it's, it actually is a little slowly, mm-hmm. but it's just beautiful. The transformation of like, of, of your know, rapturous adoration to <laughs> horrible disgust. And it's like, yikes. Oh God. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, just, it's just wonderful. Yeah. What she could do. That was so good. Um, and and then because once she leaves, once she storms out of that, she's like, "I'll I'll you know think about you every time I see something scurry across the floor or something like that." <laughs> um, and leave it and Sam's like, "You know, Sam's alone with Diane." He's like, "Not that I'm not grateful, but." <laughs> and we end on this kind of old school thing where it's like sort of like uh like back in the beginning, it's it's just a Sam and Diane thing at the end of it, mm-hmm. and even though like you know the the situation has changed, but. We go through kind of like this. He's like, "What did you tell them about?" And she starts going through all of the list of all of the the ways that Sam was a terrible boyfriend, the things that he got, and like he, you know, he mm-hmm. got her steak knives for Christmas. And he's like, "What was wrong with that? You got me a sweater." And she talks about, or a, yeah, a sweater or a scarf or something. She talks about how she, you know, picked out the 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 wool. She sent away for it. She consulted a colorist and everything like that. She hand dyed it, and this was something that she really put a lot of effort into. And you know, he. You know, after they after they slept together the first time, he went to a football game with a friend. I love mm-hmm. that they actually have a callback to the season two episode Snow Job. Yes. She, she goes, yes. what about the time you told me a relative died so you could go skiing with your friends? And he's like, you still don't find the humor in that? <laughs> <laughs> that was just a fantastic thing to add in there because we have all these little bits mm-hmm. of things that we haven't seen, but we completely believe. Yeah. We utterly believe that Sam did all these things when he was dating Diane, and then they put that one in there just to cement it. Right, that, a little bit of continuity. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. You've seen you. We've seen this, and this is one we've seen. And and of course, Snow Job is one of the you know all time episodes, all time great episodes. So to have a callback to that one specifically, not a bad way to go. Mm-hmm. Not a really, not really, just fine way to yeah. tackle that. So, but you know, I got before before we hit out of the things, I got to ask, you know. Why Ralph? 
<laughs> I think I think because it, phonetically it sounds. Like, I mean, it's a that's a oh, it's name a for hilarious name. Yeah, and and I think it's. I mean, it's a it's it can be a euphemism for vomiting for throwing up too. Mm, like I've heard right, people people right. Ralph when they when they puke or something like that, and it's like I, uh, I think it's kind yeah, of perfect. Yeah, like yeah. she's like at that point in her life, Sam made her want to puke, and all of the stories you know, mm-hmm. that's that's the reaction, that's the revulsion that Amanda sees. She's like, yeah, this is a this is this putrid putrid person who made, makes you want to vomit of course yeah so ralph is the perfect name for that i wonder if it's a, also maybe just to go to diane's uh year when she was studying to be an art history major of uh raphael and oh. to shorten it and so they both so they work both ways they yeah. work both ways and that would be kind of the thing that diane would do have a multi-layered reason for a name you know much like you know i Bought the wool myself. I learned how to knit. I, I, I hand dyed it, and like, and I consulted a color specialist to pick out exactly the right tones that fit you. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, yeah, she's screaming by the end of oh, that. Okay. She's like, I dyed myself, and like she's like so full of like righteous fury and anguish. She's like like this is something that she has wanted to. I mean, and they probably did have this fight a long time ago, but she's like just bringing it up again, and his reaction is just, well, you know, I would have made the knives for you myself but i hocked my forge to buy the bar <laughs> oh sam <laughs> but then um where it goes at the very end and and i'll actually i'll, I'll jump ahead because this is my home run for the episode and i think mm. sort of thematically what we've been talking about how this one is the the humor of this one is a tad bit askew my home run for this one isn't a joke um it's mm. it's the dramatic moment it's sam's apology you know, Diane mm-hmm. is storming out there, and he's just like, "I'm sorry," and she's like, "What did you say?" And and he like has to repeat it. And he, it's this, it's not funny. It's it's this one time when he's being sincere, and it's very, it's much more revealing about their relationship because he said, "Yeah, I was a crappy boyfriend. I treated you terribly, but I also never tried harder with any woman than I tried with you." And he and he kind of says he's like oh, like he's like I know we had terrible times together, but the times that we had he's like the good times with you were the best times of my life, and it's this again like what I said it was it's like this revealing moment because going through like every every one of my guests and every one of these episodes were like these couple this this couple does not belong together, and the writing is on the wall so you're just waiting for them to break up and how how could they have lasted as long? And it's like. They, I mean, this is they're kind of like acknowledging it. It's like, yeah, they they shouldn't have been together, but damn, he he tried. They did love each other for whatever chemistry they had, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. enough to make it work. Um, he did love Diane more than he's ever loved anybody else, and and probably vice versa for her. Um, mm-hmm. it just they they weren't compatible, but their that that bond that they had was really really powerful. In as much as it was also destructive, but yeah, right. So I just, I just found like his, his about like this moment where it kind of like changed gears. I was like, oh, this is a really felt like an important thing that had to be said. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that moment so much. I have, I had, I did write down like the whole thing just because of that. And yeah. it's, it's, and Ted Danson just delivers it expertly. Mm-hmm. You know, you you feel the sincerity in there, as you were saying, and it's it's. It's, I think it's also even more so than important to this episode. It's important to this season. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've had up till now, you know, I've, I've wrote down way too much stuff about this. Uh, <laughs> you know, Sam has really kind of enjoyed poking fun at Diane and Frazier. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been, he's been, ha- 
like relieved to be out of the relationship and he's just enjoying himself kind of with the better you than me buddy attitude <laughs> towards Fraser. you know so and it's it definitely feels like you know he's moved on even though he's not with somebody right now it feels like he's moved on and diane is very happy with Fraser, you know outwardly uh, and really, he treats her extremely well. So all we hear is, and we see actually some real affection between them. So it does seem like both of them have moved on. But here we have this moment, and Sam is sincerely sorry. And it's kind of like the wall of jokes is just like falling away. And he's being so honest with her. You know, he's not hiding behind anything right now. And you can definitely hear in the way that he talks about it that he has real regret that things didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, to try that hard, and obviously Diane tried really hard too, just looking at the uh, scarf speech. Right. <laughs> obviously, she worked at this relationship too. It's not like it was one-sided. Both of them were working at it. It just like they just thought about things in different ways, and it showed their incompatibility. But they both tried so hard, and for it not to work out, they're having some real remorse and almost, you know, they haven't uh, like mourned perhaps even the relationship really. They because they've been in each other's faces so much uh, since the you know since the Kate, since she returned. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like in a way they've tried to move on, but they haven't actually had an opportunity to. And this kind of shows that first crack in them being separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's opening that door for what we see for the whole rest of the season. It starts right here. Yeah, I agree, because I think the timing of this is particular here. I think if this scene or if this exchange had come earlier in the season, like closer to their breakup mm-hmm. and, and her coming back into the bar, I think things would have changed. Because I even forgot, like when I was watching this, the the you know, like a couple of days ago, I forgot how this one ended. And once he started going through that mm. one, I was like, oh, are they going to revert to this thing where like they almost kiss and they're like starting to get a, a break, like get back together? So oh. like, this was going to be like a, a romantic <laughs> thing, and then like they have to like s- separate or something. I was like, that, that was kind of where I was expecting this one to go, and they don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, because this is where we are at in this part of the season. I think it's brilliant. Like he starts to say something. Well, she, no, she says that's the nicest thing you ever said to me, and he's going to follow mm-hmm. that up. And she's like, no, no, no shut up. I'm going to leave now and we'll just let this this be a, a, a happy, a pleasant memory that you said this thing. And he's like, no, no, I'm just, she's like, no, 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 don't talk. You're going to ruin this. <laughs> she's like, don't say anything else. And he's yeah, like, I'm she's not going gonna... out the door. Yeah. She's going out the door and she's like, shh, shh, shh. He's like, I'm like, not going to oh ruin my gosh, it. And then once she's she... totally shushing him yeah. like, a, like a librarian. <laughs> and once he's alone, he just kind of like thinks about the whatever he was going to say and he's like, oh yeah, that would have ruined it. Oh, <laughs> So. Uh, yes, that, that he's actually getting some enough self awareness there, but not enough self control. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just can't stop being, you know, Sam. He right. just can't stop being the guy on the 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 look, right, uh, right. On, on the moves all the time. So yeah, like, exactly. God, yeah. beautiful, beautiful way to end that. It's like that. That was a beautiful way for ending it. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about the episode before we go? Well, I did have a I, I when um. When Amanda brings in her parents, I did like that scene. It's like we just had a little bit of lines from mom and dad there <laughs> yeah. too, which I think were, were are worth mentioning because they were really very good. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, here's Mona and Todd, and it's like Todd <laughs> says, "I've heard so much about you, Sam," and Sam's like, "When? When?" <laughs> <laughs> 
he just uh, got back from from lunch with her dinner with the woman. Exactly. And and uh, when. Diane uh, takes Sam to the back room. You know, she addresses Moda and Todd by name, which was kind of was kind of subtle. But then as she goes away, you know, Mona says, that girl looks familiar. Is she the one I met on basket day? (laughs) (laughs) And there's Amanda nodding. It's like, it's it's beautiful. Oh, yeah, it was good. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, he had five beers. He was really working at, <laughs> working at this oh, one, man. Uh, which brings him up to 228 for the series. Um, employee of the week, who did you think gave the stand-up performance in this one? Okay, well, it was it was you know really hard not to give it to Amanda because oh my gosh, she was just hilarious the whole way through. It was so funny everything she had to do, um, and also, but you know, going to the employees, the main cast, it was hard to choose between Sam and Diane, but you gotta give the edge to Sam. I mean, mm-hmm. she was his scenes with Amanda are really pretty great. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's and even from a, not the comedy side, but you know, there's a real subtlety to how he relates to her. You know, he, it'd be easy to be just outright confused or frustrated or flustered all the time, but instead he's coming across as like attentive and sensitive and he's even trying to be delicate with her. So it, it you know, he, Ted Danson was really, you know, we're really working a great, great job on that scene. Uh, also, I have to give him, uh, I have to give him props for his fish face at the beginning when he's just like, <laughs> uh, when he gets, uh, try wipe around my looks. Have you ever seen this one? And just makes his cheeks do this little flutter thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I know I've seen him do it again, and I realize that oh yeah, he does that in the first episode with Rebecca. Yeah, when Rebecca Howell joins us, but so but we got to see it here first. So yep. I was like, I don't know how he did that. And of course, you know, like you said before, those lines that he, that he delivers at the last scene with Diane—that's just gold. Is he's legit frustrated and uh, and honestly apologizing for the dumb things he did. It's like uh, I just Sam all the way this week. I, I I had Sam too. He I thought he was the stand. I mean, uh, with with you know bonus props set up to to Carol Kane. I think she did a terrific guest spot. Um, but I mean, because Sam had the humorous reactions, virginly, you know, just all of the range, and you know, the his monologue mm-hmm. at the end. I just thought this was a this was Sam. This was Sam's episode. But yeah, she definitely she gets strong recognition, and so does Diane, because because Shelley mm-hmm. Long also was really strong in this one too. But she's always. I almost wonder if uh, if the writers even wrote this episode for Carol Kane, if they had her in mind from Taxi. May, as you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Something to do for this show. Yeah. yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. Um, for the home run, I mentioned that mine. You know, my my first one is the, uh, the is Sam's little monologue, his apology. What about you? Uh, well, I and I did have to give this to Amanda instead. Mm-hmm. So that that's my that's my consolation prize for her is that she gets the the home run line, and it is her penultimate line. It's like <laughs> after she finds out that Sam is Ralph, it's like. <laughs> Well, he can't hold me to that. If they won't let me sign contracts or have a credit card or vote, then I am not responsible for hysterical hogwash that I babbled in the back room of a bar. Oh, so good. And, so and you have to. And when you, if you can hear that in that Carol Kane voice, it is just hilarious. <laughs> I can't do it justice. I can't do it justice. But it's it's a fantastic line. My and my runner-up is uh, when they're in the pool room when when Diane gives Cliffy the money and he runs off and then they just like she's just expecting Norm to go and he doesn't and he's just standing here and just, <laughs> he's just holding on and she has to look at Sam and Sam is like yeah you got to pay him too that's, that's how this works <laughs> and he's finally just like she gives him the money and he's like oh yeah everything's cool and everything he's like Sam you know where to find us oh uh, good stuff yeah that was great. 
All right. Well, uh, Tim, thank you very much for being my guest once more on Cheerscast. Um, now, actually, when I ask where else can people find you in the podcastosphere, you have an answer for this one. So I, yeah. I do. Where else can people find you? Okay, so I do a couple of shows with Astrid Wright of the Right On Network. Um, I'm a co-host on the Cassandra, the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast, uh, which you can see on the Twitters at Puntress Podcast and also its website, thehuntresspodcast.com. And then Astrid and I switch roles, and I'm the main host on The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. You can see us on Twitter at Bat Outcasters, but we also share the same website and podcast feed as The Huntress Podcast. The Batgirl Huntress Podcast is probably the easiest way to find it on your podcaster rings. So check us out there. Uh, I'm just about to record the episode for issue number two of Batman and the Outsiders. It's been so much fun to kind of get onto this part of the podcasting, which I obviously shows that something is very, very wrong with me. <laughs> but I'm having a blast. So and I want to also, you know, thank you specifically, Ryan, because I have appreciated like the private notes that you sent me about how I was doing on the show and all the encouragement you and the other podcasters out there have given me on doing this show it's really meant a lot to me so thank you guys and thank you especially Ryan and also thank you for letting me have Mephisto crash uh, your recent episode of Midnight the Podcasting Hour so you know pod crashing there you go so I this is awkward I think I meant to Mm. send that note to Sean Ross but oh no. <laughs> no. Is, is that what oh yeah. that no no you did a great job that does, make, that does make more sense no. <laughs> I, when i listened to the first episode it sounded like you had been doing it for a while you sounded very comfortable with the role of that so it's uh, it's really exciting and, and happy to have you join the family of actually producing and, and doing your own show and that's that's very very cool so um, oh, thank you I've, I've also been very glad to find the way to delete uh <laughs> uh, uh, from my podcast, I've been very happy to do that. Ooh, that's, that's that's good. That's a lot of work that we put into it, but I put I do I do make it hard. Ho- hopefully, you're not so busy that you can't come back on Cheerscast at another time, a future episode, because I'll definitely have you back if I can. But oh, thank you. You know, I'd love to be back. Yeah. I love the show and I love your podcast on it. So you know, I'd be glad to come back. All right, listeners, thank you to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and Ashford Wright from the Right On Network who sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I did the best I could when I was with you. I mean, you're right. I I have blind spots, and I'm not a very good boyfriend, but I have never tried harder with any woman in my life. I mean, we had some bad times, but I tell you, the good times with you were some of the best in my life. That's the nicest thing you ever said to me. Diane, No, Sam, stop. 
I want to get out of here before you say something stupid that ruins it. Uh, no, 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 stop. Don't ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. All I want... Oh, yeah, that would have ruined it. 